Hey, what's going on, everyone? Hope you're having a great Tuesday. I'm Dean Meadows, the host of Dean's Dialogue in association with The Daily Apologist. It is the last, uh, or in the last episode, you know, we wrapped up our initial look at the Gospels by examining the dating of John's Gospel. So far, we've noted the following about the Gospels, that there's good historical record stating that these are the authors of the Gospels. Uh, these documents were written early within the lifetime of the close associates of the apostles or by the apostles themselves uh, who saw and experienced the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we also noted that these are supported by both the internal and the external evidence. Now, here's something, a question that's raised uh, even in light of this, uh, even in light of this evidence. How do we know that the narrative of the originals wasn't corrupted over time? Because here's the thing. Uh, we don't have the original copies of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What we have um, are copies of those works. And so one of the things that the skeptic will most likely bring up as you um, talk to them is, well, how do we know that they didn't fall to what I call Dean, what I, what I call um, the telephone fallacy. And all of us have played telephone before where you start with one person who has a message and by the time it gets to the end of the chain, the message is corrupted. How do we know that the New Testament Gospels um, didn't, didn't undergo something like that with regards to corruption? And so while the internal and historical sources give us insight to who wrote the original documents, uh, we currently don't have the originals. We have copies. And so this is why this, this question is important. And this is why uh, manuscript evidence is important. Because the more manuscripts of an ancient document, not just the Bible, but any ancient document, the better. And why is it better? Because the more manuscripts we have of an ancient document, the more that we can cross-reference um, for accuracy and identify either even the small or major changes that have taken place over time uh, in an attempt to get back to the original. This is part of the process that's called textual criticism. So when we look at the New Testament, what do we have with regards to manuscript evidence? How many copies do we have that we can cross-reference? If we don't have a lot, then our ability to determine the original is going to be uh, really limited. If we have a lot, then hey, we can see kind of those transitions over time if they took place, and we can kind of know what the originals said. So this is awesome because we have a ton of um, manuscript evidence for the New Testament. Um, I forget who it was that said it, but we have an embarrassment of riches uh, with regards to that. Currently, we have 5,856 Greek manuscripts, which is the original language is Greek. We have 10,000 plus Latin manuscripts. We have 2,000 Armenian manuscripts, 975 Coptic manuscripts, 600 Ethiopian manuscripts, and 350 Syriac manuscripts. And those are just some of the examples. But in total, we have 23,986 copies of the New Testament. And so think about this for a second. If we just took the Greek manuscripts and we stacked them, 
they would stretch for more than a mile long. The average ancient work in terms of copies would only stack four feet high. So the New Testament is the most attested work in antiquity. The second most is Homer's Iliad of 1,757 total manuscripts, and the work of Suetonius comes in third with around uh, 200 copies. Um, so the question that's often asked is, okay, well, Dean, how many completed Bibles do we have, uh, and how many fragments do we have, and how do those dates compare uh, to others? So we not only have a large amount of individual manuscripts, we also have early completed New Testaments uh, and even earlier fragments. So, for example, one of the one of the uh, completed uh, New Testaments is the Codex Codex Sinaiticus, which is within 300 years of the original, uh, and that's the closest of any ancient document. Homer's Iliad uh, is second, and that's 500 years removed from the original. And Suetonius is 800 years removed from the original. As far as fragments go, P52, which is the John Rylands fragment, dates uh, from 125 to 130. Uh, P46, 67, 66, all date from around 170 to 220 AD. And that is, uh, in the scope of antiquity, very, very close to the original. So, you know, what does all of this mean? It means um, that the New Testament is the most widely attested work um, in comparison to anything else in, um, in antiquity, which is a good thing because it gives us the ability then to um, cross-reference and check for accuracy uh, trend, uh, you know, even, you know, significant mistakes or alterations. Um, and so this also means that we can see just how much has changed over time regarding the transmission of the New Testament. Uh, and this is great, like I said, for accuracy. So what do we find when we look and we cross-reference and we do this thing called textual criticism uh, with regards to the New Testament? Has it really been so corrupted that we just can't trust it, as some skeptics say. Well, actually, when they cross-reference and they look at the accuracy of the New Testament, it is about 99.5% accurate in its transmission. Now, um, we're going to look more at this because there are a lot of questions that come into this. Number one is, well, you know, why isn't it 100%? And we're going to look at that at a later um, episode as we start to unpack some of Dr. Bart Ehrman's um, arguments. He's probably the most famous New Testament um, scholar in the country, if not the world. Um, but it also means that the, it doesn't fall victim to the telephone trap. Now, what do I mean by the telephone trap or telephone uh, fallacy? As I mentioned in the beginning of the show, um, there are a lot of people who say, you've got copies of copies of copies. How can you trust these documents? You know, how do you know it doesn't undergo the, the, the issues with the game telephone? You know, how often is the message just in the game of the 21st century, um, you know, is the message of the game of the 21st century messed up? Um, you know, what makes you think that that didn't happen between 2,000 years ago 
uh, and now. So there, so people often use telephone as that analogy to the transmission of the New Testament. Um, number one, the oral tradition of the first century Jews is completely and totally different uh, than 21st century Americans. I would encourage you to look at Nathan Liddell's blog on thedailyapologist.com. Uh, the title of that blog is Can We Trust Luke's Eyewitnesses? Great information there about oral tradition. Um, so I'll leave that to, to Nathan and his blog. But but here's the, the issue with, with the telephone game is, you know, first, the goal of the telephone game is completely different than the goal of trans, the transmission of the New Testament. Telephone is designed to mess up the message to see how badly people can butcher the initial statement, right? The goal of New Testament scribes, for the most part, was to accurately document what was passed down to them. Second, in the game of telephone, you only get one chance to hear, remember, and pass down what the person before you stated, right? In transmission of the New Testament, scribes were not limited to how many times they could check and reference back to the manuscripts that they had in their possession. So you see, that's a very distinct difference between those two. And this is key because this allows for, uh, you know, in the game of telephone, because I can't go back and check or cross-reference, it allows for many errors in telephone, whereas scholars have seen time and time again, there's virtually no difference in the manuscripts of the New Testament of the New Testament. Third, you know, while playing telephone, you can't even check the statement of the person who is whispering in your ear uh, with others who have spoken. The only message to focus on is uh, the one person who came before you in the chain, whereas in copying down the New Testament documents, scribes could often refer to multiple documents uh, and cross-reference those documents with their work to make sure that the message was as accurate as possible. Fourth, many people who play telephone don't even care if they win or if they lose. They understand it's merely a game. Uh, for the most part, the copyists and scribes of the New Testament um, had a deep sense of responsibility when it came to their task. And so they were more likely to care about the messages that they were uh, copying um, and because they really believed that the thing that they were copying came from authority figures who were connected uh, either to the apostles or to Jesus. And so with these differences in mind, it becomes clear um, that, you know, the telephone game is not the same um, as the New Testament transmission. Um, and it's a flawed analogy. And so because of that, you know, we as Christians should reject it as a viable argument against New Testament reliability. Now, I have um, <clears throat> received some pushback on this. And so, um, you know, there's a guy uh, on, on the blog page. His name is James uh, Church. Uh, he is a professor at Austin P University. Uh, he's a former Christian. He's now um, an atheist. And so, I want to unpack some of the things that he said, and I want to answer some of the things that he said. He said, first, uh, the goal of telephone game uh, isn't to mess the message up. It's a demonstration of how a verbal message gets messed up unintentionally. We see a similar effect in the written message 
in the many uh, copies of the ancient document. Now, um, that's just not true. Um, if the game of telephone isn't stacked against the original message on purpose, then why can't you cross-reference those who spoke before you? Uh, this seems like an important piece to the telephone game. Um, the second thing that um, Professor Church says um, is that, um, that the scribes were limited. They were limited by time and resources they were often uh, commissioned to make these copies and sometimes rush the job. They did their best. They were human. They made mistakes. Well, notice that in my statement, uh, I, I said that they could cross-reference the manuscripts that they had in their possession. Um, some scribes had more than others, and certainly they could be on a deadline. I'm not saying that they weren't, but within their time frame, that they could have had numerous opportunities to look and relook um, at at the manuscripts, and so then what um, Doctor Church says again um, <clears throat> that my statement about um, the manuscripts, you know, that scholars have seen time and time again, virtually no difference in the manuscripts. Uh, he says that that's flat wrong uh, and ignorant to even suggest it. Uh, and note some of the passages that were added in later. Um, you know, sometimes they're long passages, other times they're short passages, but clearly demonstrate that there are differences in the manuscripts of the New Testament. Now, here's the thing. That's why I said there's virtually no difference. And I didn't say that there's no difference. Uh, Philip Schaff uh, states that of the thousands of variants in the New Testament manuscripts, only 50 are significant. Now, for those of you who are like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Um, don't worry. We're going to get to all of this. I'll be unpacking that in multiple videos, blogs, and right here on um, the podcast. And so his assessment about the motives of the original authors, um, you know, is just, is just wrong as well. Notice um, what he says here um, is that uh, they that, that scholars have reasons to believe that the Bible was being edited by people um, with competing agendas from its inception all the way up into the present uh, and every step along uh, the way. Now, that, that is just uh, flat wrong. Um, I, I don't know. What, I'm sure Dr. Church probably gets and I'm just guessing here, probably gets his information from Lost Christianities by Bart Ehrman or the Zeitgeist movie or, or something like that. Um, once again, we'll unpack that as we continue to do our study in New Testament reliability. Um, I would suggest to Dr. Church um, that if he wants the counter to that, uh, he should either continue to listen to the podcast, follow the blog, follow the video series on YouTube, or if he wants to read somebody uh, else, or, or maybe listen to somebody else's voice other than mine. Um, he should get Reliability in the New Testament by Craig Blomberg, Hidden in Plain View by Lydia McGrew, or Why There Are Differences in the Gospel by Mike Lacona. So once again, guys, um, telephone fallacy uh, doesn't work. It's not a very good analogy. We have good manuscript evidence to cross-reference um, and look at you know some of those changes that, that have occurred in the New Testament. Once again, 
of the thousands of variants, 50 are significant, you're probably like, man, what are variants? Are those errors? Um, we're going to get to all that. So just, just all you need to know right now is that we have good manuscript evidence for the New Testament. It's the most widely attested uh, piece uh, of literature in antiquity. And even from the time of the originals to the last copies that we have discovered, the New Testament is 99.5% accurate. Um, and so those are things that you can hold on to, those things that you can be assured of, and those are things that could can give you and should give you confidence that what we have is what they wrote down 2,000 years ago. Thank you once again for listening in to Dean's Dialogue. I am Dean Meadows for The Daily Apologist. Have a great day and God bless.